Uh, and please could you turn back with me to the book of Galatians, book of Galatians, page 1158, 1159 of the Church Bibles. We're continuing our series uh, on the five solas, and this week we're looking at sola fide, by, by faith alone, that we are saved by faith alone. Uh, and uh, uh, if you uh, want to take the uh, bulletin, uh, in the center page of the bulletin, uh, you will see an outline of uh, the sermon, uh, but i just let you know that I'm combining points two and three. Uh, so just look out for that, combining points two and three in the, in the bulletin outline. All right, let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible salvation that you have granted us in Christ. And we pray that today, as we uh, look at your word, you help us to see uh, the wonder of that even more. Uh, we pray that you uh, give us insight uh, into what you are saying to us, uh, that we would appreciate more and more what you've done for us in Christ, that we will be trusting him and him alone uh, for our salvation. Uh, and we pray that you help me uh, as I preach your word now, that you uh, enable me to uh, uh, teach it rightly uh, and in the power of your spirit. Uh, and we ask that your spirit would be opening our eyes to Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, if someone would ask you, what is it about the Christian faith that uh, makes it different from all the other religions of the world? What might you say? Well, there's all kinds of things we could say, couldn't we? Uh, but when someone asks me that question, I usually start with the doctrine of salvation. Because as far as I know, every religion teaches you what you have to do in order to solve the problem of which that religion is the solution. Uh, for biblical Christianity, the problem is sin and therefore judgment. Uh, we are sinners before God, the judge. We deserve to be condemned. We need to be saved. But... The way we are saved is not by doing something, but by believing in someone. We are saved by faith and not by works. This is God's gift, not our effort. And that, my friends, is absolutely unique. But it is constantly being attacked from both outside the church and from within. People outside misunderstand it and ridicule it. People inside the church ignore it or even teach things that contradict it. And we've seen this over and over again in church history. That's one of the big reasons why we needed the Reformation 500 years ago. And the threat is still there in many circles, even today. That same threat was even there in the early church. And we see in the book of Galatians one example of the Apostle Paul battling that threat. In the book of Galatians, Paul has to deal with this group of people from the Jerusalem church who are teaching that we are not saved by faith alone. Uh, they're, they're teaching that we are saved by a combination of faith and obedience to the Old Testament law. And so they are trying to influence the Gentile Christians in Galatia to be circumcised. They are teaching and summarized in Acts chapter 15 verse 1. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of the law of Moses, 
you cannot be saved. And so Paul has to write to the Galatians to urge them, don't listen to these people. And he does it in the strongest possible language. He says in chapter 1 verse 8, have a look at chapter 1 verse 8. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be eternally condemned. That's pretty serious, isn't it? For Paul insists in chapter 2 verse 16, in chapter 2 verse 16, that was part of our epistle reading today, that even the Jewish Christians know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. You're not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what does the word justified mean? Well, the word justified comes from the law courts. It means being declared righteous. It's a bit like if you go to court and the judge says, you're not guilty. Except it's better than that. Because the judge actually says, you are righteous. You're good. And Paul says the true Jewish Christians know they cannot be justified by observing the law. If they come to God's judgment seat at the end of the age to be judged by their performance in obeying the law, God would not say to them, you are good. He would say to them, you are guilty of sin. The law would show their sinfulness. They would not be able to be justified by the works of the law. Instead, they believed, they trusted, not in the works of the law, but in Jesus Christ for their salvation. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That is, by trusting in Jesus, by relying on Him, not on the law, then when they come before God on the judgment day, God will say to them, you are justified. You are not guilty. You are righteous. You are good. And so verse 16 continues, they believed in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Do you see there are two conceivable ways of justification contrasted here? One way, by works, doing. And in this case, it's doing the things that the Old Testament law says. But the problem is, everyone is sinful and will fail to keep this law, and so by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Unless you're perfect, then they'll be okay. But otherwise, that, that's a dead end. The other way is the way of faith. And not just faith in anything, not faith in faith. Oh, yeah, if I really, really believe that I'm a saved, I'm saved. No, 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 it's faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting Him, relying on Him, depending on Him and Him alone to save us, counting on His death on the cross to take away our sins, having our confidence not in our own ability to save ourselves and make ourselves good enough for God, but looking to Him as our Savior and our Lord and banking on Him. And the Holy Spirit says that a person is justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Now you may think, well, 
Maybe we can't be justified by observing the law. Yeah, we're not perfect. We need Christ. But, but what about if we mix the two? How about a, a combination, maybe, of, of faith and works? Maybe we, Christ gets us so far and then we add our own good works to, to get us the rest of the way. Well, in chapter 3, Paul scolds the Galatians who started out with faith but now are thinking of mixing in these works. He calls them in verse 1, foolish Galatians. Or in verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, having started off by trusting in Christ, you think now you can earn your salvation by what you do. Over the page in verse 6, he reminds them that, that Abraham was justified by faith alone. And he does this by quoting Genesis 15, uh, which we heard in our Old Testament reading. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, faith, and God counted him as righteous, even though he was sinful. No need to add the law in order for that to happen. And in fact, not only is the law not needed, Paul is about to argue that by adding the law, the Galatians would in fact forfeit their salvation. Why is that? Because you've actually got to go one way or the other. Either it's by faith alone, believing, or somehow or other, to some extent, works are included, doing. And if they're going to add the law to faith, they're automatically going down the second route, isn't it? trying to be saved at least in part by doing. But the problem is if they're going to be saved by doing, then they have to do 100%. Uh, look at verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You see, the law says you have to do everything in the law and do it. If you say you have to be circumcised in order to obey the law, well, guess what? You have to obey the whole law in order to obey the law. You can't pick and choose. Imagine a chain. Imagine a chain, one of those big link chains. Can you imagine that? Now, imagine one of the links of that chain is broken. The li one link is broken. The chain is broken, isn't it? You will never be able to keep the whole law. Your chain will be broken. And the curse of the law will be upon you. If you rely on the works of the law to make you right with God, you, you will in the end come under God's condemnation because that's what the law does. And that's the same for anyone who thinks they can add good works to faith in order to be saved. The moment I add works as a requirement for salvation, it is no longer by faith alone. It depends to some extent on what I do. I'm going down that works path, doing, which is a disaster because even though God will judge me justly based on what I've done, the standards are too high for my sinful heart. If it's about me keeping God's law and I'm obliged to keep it perfectly in order for it to count, then, then I will fail. On my day off last week, my wife Judy and I took one of our children rock climbing. Uh, not on the real rocks, but in an indoor climbing center in, in Wanutama. And I had to get into a harness and climb this, this high wall, at least I thought it was high. 
Uh, and then I had to allow Judy to, to, to lower, lower me down slowly while all my weight was hanging on a rope. Now, if the rope snapped, I would have come crashing down and, and either been badly injured or, or, or even killed. But of course, the rope was strong. It did not snap. And I'm happy to report that I came down safely. In salvation, Jesus is like that rope. We can rely on him to hold us up. Our faith is in him. He will not let us down. We are safe when relying on him. But what if instead of using the rope from the climbing center, I said, yeah, yeah, the rope is good, but I also have a chain. I know my chain is not long enough to, to reach the top, uh, so I will still use a rope, but I will want to use my chain as well. So I'll tie the chain to the end of the rope. So, so half the cable is rope, and the other half is chain. I'm not relying on the rope alone, but on the rope plus the chain. And you know what? There are many good links on my chain. Yala yeah, got a few broken links, now mine. Uh, but there's many good links on the chain. What do you think would happen to me if I did that? The fact that the chain has got broken links means that chain is broken. And no matter how strong the rope part bit, the, the broken chain means I will come crashing down from a great height. What a foolish person I would be. And friends, if I rely on a combination of my own good works and faith in Christ in order to be saved, I'm as foolish as I would have been if I rely on a combination of, of rope and, and broken chain to hold me up. The part that depends on my works will fail me and I will come crashing down. In order to be saved, I have to be saved by faith in Christ alone and not by anything that I do. Article 11 of the 39 Articles, the official doctrinal statement of the Anglican Church, echoes the Bible's teaching on this matter. It's entitled, Of the Justification of Man. And it says this, We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works or deservings. Isn't that a great summary? We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works or deservings. Before we go on, let me just clarify what the word faith here means. Faith here is more than just intellectual assent. Right? To have faith in Christ is more than just saying, yeah, 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 I believe he existed. The Bible has, tells us some things about him. I think they're true. You know, it's, it's not just intellectual and It means actually trusting him, relying on him for yourself. Right? Think about me hanging there by the rope again. I am trusting it. I'm relying on it. I'm, keep, I'm relying on it to keep me from crashing to the ground. That's different, isn't it? than saying, yeah, yeah, I believe the rope can hold me up, but thank you, I'd rather have a coffee while Judy does the climbing. Right. Intellectual ascent says, yes, I believe it's true, but I don't want to do anything about it. And some people say that about Jesus. That is not faith. That is not going to save you. Saving faith is relying on Jesus for salvation, just like I was relying on that rope to keep me from crashing. 
It's believing that he rose from the dead. It is coming to him as my risen king. It is depending on him to rescue me and rule me forever. It's trusting and relying on him. In point four of the outline, let's look at a couple of objections to this doctrine. All right, the first one, some people say, well, justification by, law, by faith alone is a legal fiction. Right? Because remember, justification means God declaring you not guilty or righteous. And justification by faith alone means that God declares you not guilty or righteous when you trust his promises, even though you are actually guilty and sinful. So is God bluffing? Is he an unjust judge? Is he fudging the books? Well, of course not. The doctrine that underlies all this is the doctrine of our union with Christ. You see, when you trust in Christ for your salvation, you are united with him by faith. That is the work of the Spirit. You and Christ are counted together. You are one spiritually. And if you are one with Christ spiritually, then all your sins are shared with him and all his righteousness is shared with you because you are considered together. And he has paid for those sins by his death on the cross. He has dealt with them completely. And what you have with him is his righteousness. So God is able to look at you and say, righteous. And he's not bluffing. That is the spiritual reality of who you are in Christ. Now, in and of yourself, you look at yourself by yourself, miserable sinner. Put you with Christ, in Christ, you are righteous. And that is not legal fiction, that is spiritual reality. And then some people worry that justification by faith means Ah, oh, well, you can just go and do anything you like, go and sin as much as you like. You know, you're saved by faith, isn't it? Not by works. So, no need to avoid sin, lah. No need to grow in holiness. No need to try and be like Christ. Just, just, just have faith. Well, friends, the Spirit who unites us with Christ is the same Spirit who motivates us and changes us. The same Spirit who gives us faith to trust in Christ as Lord is the Spirit who will lead us to holiness. He is the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is at work to give us a genuine faith in Christ, He will also produce His fruit in our life. Or another way of putting it is this. Uh, the Bible tells us elsewhere in James that faith without works is dead. True faith will always produce good works. Works are a symptom of faith. And if good works are not there, then one, of course one has to question whether true faith is there or not. But works don't help you get justified. You're justified by faith alone. Genuine faith will inevitably produce good works. They are the visible evidence of a saving faith. They are symptoms of that saving faith. We can see faith by that good works, but they are products of salvation they are not the cause of salvation. 
John Calvin, one of the great reformers, said this, and this one's worth writing down. He said, we are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. We are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. True faith will eventually produce good works. Finally, let's look at some of the implications of the fact that we are saved through faith in Christ alone. Well, the first and most important implication is that we know the results of God's verdict on our life even now. Can you imagine going to sit for an exam knowing that the results have already been announced in advance and that you get distinction? That's pretty good, isn't it? That kind of like takes the stress out of the exam. Or going to the court for trial, knowing that the verdict has already been published and that you will be found innocent. You can go with a great deal of confidence, can't you? Well, friends, God has announced in advance the results of our judgment on the last day. We have been justified. We have been declared righteous so that we will enjoy not his wrath, but the blessing of his presence and love forever. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who believe in the Son have eternal life. And this means we can have assurance of our salvation. We can be certain that when we die, we will be with Christ in a place that is better by far and that our bodies will be raised by him at the end of the age. We can be sure that we will not face God's punishment in hell, even though we deserve it, but we will be with God in glory forever. And that is not an arrogant assurance because it's not based on our performance. When we say we're sure of going to heaven when we die, we're not saying we're better than anyone else. We're saying that we trust in Christ to get us there, not ourselves. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this doctrine is full of comfort for the believer as we face the future. But what about today? How does it affect our lives even right now? Well, first of all, it changes our view of God, doesn't it? See, if we knew God's standards and his just wrath against sin, but we didn't trust in Jesus' death on the cross, then we would have a very negative view of God. We might keep on desperately trying to do good things or not do bad things in case he gets angry with us. Or you know what? If we were thinking that we were succeeding in that, then we would become very self-righteous and proud. And then we become very defensive of anything that, that would make it apparent that we're not actually succeeding. And most of us will probably know that we're not succeeding and we'll live in some kind of either mild dejection or terrible despair, depending on how sensitive our conscience is. But if all that's too difficult or undesirable, the other option would be just to give up. We could either pretend that God's standards are not the standards that he actually has, change that. Or we could pretend God's not God's wrath is not real against sin. 
Or we could just make up a God in our own image that kind of like fits, makes it comfortable for us. Or, on the extreme, we could even just deny that God even exists. And none of those options are really good options, are they? But there'd be coping mechanisms if, if, well, if we didn't have justification by faith and we had to face God's justice on our own. But you know, because we are justified by faith alone, we can acknowledge our sinfulness. We can acknowledge the rightness of God's judgment and our own sinfulness because it's okay. We've been justified by faith in Christ. And we can appreciate those wonderful truths that God loves us and accepts us and, and considers us righteous in Jesus. We can, we can marvel at his grace and glory in his mercy. We don't need to be scared of God anymore. We can, we can look at God differently because we know he's our father who loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us so that we can be justified. We can look at God differently because we know that he is the judge who has told us the verdict in advance that we are not guilty, we are righteous because we are in Christ. And brothers and sisters, that is so different. It is so different relating to a God who loves you and accepts you and is right in doing so than relating to a God whom you think is angry with you and is always out to punish you. Listen to the testimony of Martin Luther. Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction. I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God. And then he discovered justification by faith alone as he read the Bible. And so a little bit later on, he writes this. And there I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. So justification by faith alone completely changes the way we, we look at God. And it changes the way we relate to others. Because, you see, there is no need for self-righteousness as I relate to other people if I'm justified by faith. If I'm trying to earn my way to heaven, then you know what? I'll be a little bit happier if I'm a little bit better than you in case God marks on the curve. And I'll keep comparing myself to other people to see how I'm going. And to give myself hope, I must convince that I'm a little bit better than other people. But not with justification by faith. I know I'm a sinner, no need to compare. And I know that God will accept me, not because I'm better than anyone else, but, but because I'm in his son. So I don't need to compete in my own mind to make myself better. And furthermore, I don't have to compete in church with, with, 
to, to make other people think I'm better either. You see, if we don't believe in justification by faith, we might believe in some kind of justification by consensus opinion. Right? If people in church, if people in church generally think I'm okay, then God probably thinks I'm okay. Right? You'll never actually say that, right? But sometimes that might be what we think. And then what we need to do is to, is to show people that, that we, are, we are spiritual or gifted or good or godly or, or whatever so that they, so they will think we're justified and so uh, we will think we're justified. But justification by faith alone undermines all that. God accepts you because of Jesus. Not because people in church think you're very good. And that frees you to be real to acknowledge the struggles that you face. You don't have to pretend you have it all together. And then justification by faith changes the way we see ourselves. If we know we have been justified, then, then we can be secure. Our eternal future is guaranteed, so we can put up with all kinds of things in this temporary life. Uh, furthermore, our self-worth is not derived from our performance or position. No, we get it from the fact that, that God has loved us, that he's given his son to die for us, and he considers us righteous. We're good with him. More than that, we are free to acknowledge our sin because in God's eyes we are accepted and righteous at the very same time. We don't need to cover up our sin. We can acknowledge our sins. We can face them. We can bring them to God in prayer. We can confess them. Don't have to hide them anymore. There's a great freedom in that because that gives us then the opportunity to change, doesn't it? Now, I've been talking as if all of us have been saved and maybe we all have. But I would guess that in a group this size, there are some people who, who haven't yet been saved. Because up to this point, they haven't really been relying on Christ alone for their salvation. They've been trying to contribute to it themselves, and we've already seen that that's a disaster. I wonder if that's you. Well, my friend, you know that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for your sin. You know that you have to rely on Jesus and Him alone to put you right with God. That you cannot add anything or anyone to that. So if that's you, stop trying to get right with God by doing good things. Believe God's promise that those who trust in the sacrifice of Jesus are justified. And put your faith, your trust, your confidence, and your hope firmly and solely in Him. And having done that, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to lead a new life with Jesus as your King, doing good in response to His grace for His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your Son, the Lord Jesus, to rescue us. 
Thank you that he died on the cross to take the punishment of our sins. Thank you that in him, in union with him, you have pronounced us as righteous. We have been justified by faith in him. Thank you so much for that, Lord. We know, Lord, that that's not something that we can add to. It's not something that we can earn or deserve. It's not something that we can put our works in and, and, and make it a bit better. That all we can do is rely, trust completely in your Son and what he has done for us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to be doing that. Help us to guard against influences and, and teachings that might draw us away from that and, and try to add things uh, as necessary for salvation. And please, Heavenly Father, would you help us to be faithful to that, that gospel of grace, that gospel of grace through faith, that we are saved in that way. And Father, we pray for those among us who have not yet put their trust in Christ alone for salvation. We pray that you be helping them to do that. That your Holy Spirit be working in their heart. That they may stop trying to achieve being right with you by, by their own performances but to look to Christ and Christ alone. And we pray that having been justified by faith, they would, they would know that they have peace with you and that they would know that they now live a new life to serve and please you for your praise and glory. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.